try it again. Good evening. Right. I want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church on this Good Friday, 2021. There are, and my math is really quick, but there's probably like, what, 16,000% more people here this year than there were last year, something along those lines? Yeah. Um, so, uh, welcome, welcome. Now, if you know anything about Christian history, church history, you know that we call it Good Friday, but we look at the cross. And we also know that in three days we celebrate the empty tomb. Um, but if you want to go back, just let's just go back one, one more week. Let's just go back to last Sunday when Jesus comes into town and the crowds are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. And they're praising him. For the king is here. John the Baptist would even say, behold, the son of God, it takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus, as he prays, that the kingdom is at hand. And now here we are as he comes into Jerusalem. And now what's happened in this past week? Well, Jesus has been anointed by many accounts two different times in Bethany. And Jesus would say, They've been a, they have anointed me for burial. And it seemed kind of confusing to the apostles. And then he says, when they ask him, where are we going to have the Passover meal? He tells them, well, go into town and you'll see a donkey there. Well, I'm sorry, go into town. That, that was last week, the donkey, sorry. Go into town and you'll see a man with a, a jar of water and follow him and he'll, he'll show you where there'll be a room and you can make preparations. And so... The disciples did that. And on Thursday night, they prepared the meal, and this meal is a time of celebration. Until Jesus says something pretty striking, and he says, one of you is going to betray me. And as we come to this part of the week, that's where we will be tonight. So right now, we're still remembering the triumphant king as he comes into Jerusalem. But when we leave here tonight, we know, we know that Sunday is coming. But Pastor Aaron and I also want you to feel the cross. There was darkness. There was sadness. There was hurt, anger, all of those emotions that took place at the cross. But for now, we're going, to, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate our King. Let's pray. Fathers, we come into your house tonight. I cannot imagine all the emotions that went through the disciples and not just the 12, but so many others that were following you that week. The, the excitement, the uh, praise of the Messiah, the Son of God, the King, and then the sadness and the, and the despair when you were nailed to the cross. But Lord, we know. We know that it didn't end at the cross, that there's an empty tomb, but not only that, you are ascended and you're seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so, Father, thank you so much for Jesus, who humbled himself, was obedient even to the point of death, and that death by a cross. And why? Well, God, because you love us. Because you love us. And your grace is poured out. So God, let us focus tonight on your son, on the cross, 
of crucifixion and all that it means for us. Thank you. Seems like such a, a weak thing to say, but, but thank you. Thank you for loving us the way that you did. Even while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. And it's in his powerful and transforming name I pray. Amen. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior on that cursed tree body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all
Amen. You may be seated. Perfect timing with the train. <laughs> Today is Good Friday. And on this day, we focus on the cross, on the death, burial of Jesus Christ. Good Friday. It sounds like an oxymoron. I mean, how is it good? How is it good that we would focus upon someone's death? Now, we know it's good because we know the whole story, amen? We, we know the entire picture. We are on this side of the cross. And so we can look back and we understand, right? We know it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Good Friday because of Resurrection Sunday. Because we know when Jesus says it is finished, He's then going to be raised from the dead. Right? We just sang the words, I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. And that song we focused on is death. We also sang His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid Him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone. We sang of His burial. But then we come to the third verse where it says, that on the third of break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Right? We sang about His resurrection. And then right, we sang about His glorious return. Right? We know... It's Good Friday because we look back to the cross. But what would it have been like in that moment? What would it have been like to actually live in real time as these events are unfolding before your very eyes? To live in that moment. Not looking back, but looking ahead with great uncertainty as to what is going to happen to their master, to the one that they have been following. Again, we know why it's called Good Friday. But I seriously doubt those in that moment would have thought anything that was happening could have possibly been good. And so tonight, we're going to attempt to relive the events that led to Jesus' crucifixion. And we're going to let Scripture speak for itself. We're going to let God speak for Himself. And I want us to try and feel the weight of this moment. Yes, we know Easter's coming. We know Sunday's coming. But tonight, I want us to feel the weight of that night. And so we're going to start in Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. Our journey begins in the upper room. We call this the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper. This is the celebration of Passover. Families would have gathered, right? This would have been a time of remembering and celebrating. And so Jesus gathers there with His disciples. For the ancient Jews, and even still for Jews today, Passover was an annual meal. It was something that they would commemorate annually. It was a, a defining moment in Israel's history, and they would look back and they would celebrate it. They would remember it over and over. Israel had been enslaved to Egypt's Pharaoh. They were trapped in miserable, horrific bondage. But we know that God would deliver them. We know that God sends a series of plagues. There's ten, in fact. And we know with each one it begins to culminate and it gets more and more serious as the judgment of God is poured out and it ultimately leads to the tenth plague. The death of the firstborn. And we know that God has a plan to spare His own people 
from the pain and the misery. And the way they would be spared, and this is what they would celebrate each and every year, is that there would be a Passover lamb that would be slaughtered. A lamb that was slaughtered on that night years before Jesus and His disciples gathered to celebrate it. And the blood of that lamb would be spread right over the doorpost. And if the blood was on the doorpost, the angel of death would what? Pass over that house. Tim Keller writes, in every home that night, there would either be a dead child or a dead lamb. Every home in Egypt that night, either a dead child or a dead lamb. So the people of God celebrate every year that by God's grace and God's mercy, there was not a dead child in their home, but rather a dead lamb. And so the disciples and Jesus gathered. And it says in verse 26, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And He took a cup, and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in My Father's kingdom. As Jesus and the disciples sit down to have this Passover meal, it starts like it would of any other time. It was very orderly, a specific way in which they do it. But at some point in the meal, Jesus changes it. It's as if He goes off script. And I can't imagine the confusion, maybe the, the dumbfounded looks upon their faces. Jesus begins to take some of the elements that were very normal and common to them, elements, again, that reminded them of that night, for example, the unleavened bread. And Jesus, on this night, breaks the bread and He says... Take, eat, this is my body. And then he turns to the cup and he says, take and drink, right? This cup is the cup of the blood of my covenant, a new covenant. Now looking back upon this night in Jesus' words here, again, we have the whole picture. We know what Jesus is saying. We can look back and we can celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We understand the significance, and the disciples will soon know the significance. But in the moment, there must have been confusion and uncertainty. Take, eat, this is my body. Jesus is saying what they're about to partake of is going to be the body of affliction, the body of suffering. Drink of it, all of you, He says, for this is my, the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is saying, my blood is about to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Think for a moment. Who was in the room with Jesus that night? Judas. The one who would betray Him. The one that would turn Him over. The one that would stab His Master in the back. But Peter was also in the room. Peter the denier, the one who not once, not twice, but in just a short period of time would deny Jesus three times. Who else is in the room? A disciple by the name of Thomas. We know Thomas is Thomas the doubter. 
The one who hears Jesus say, take and eat, this is my body, this is the cup, my blood that is going to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Just days later, it's Thomas who hears of the resurrection of Jesus who does not believe, but rather doubts. Who else is in the room? Well, the rest of the disciples. We can just call them runners. Because in just a matter of hours, they run. They flee. They abandon Jesus. Every single one of them in the room, you know what they needed? Forgiveness. They needed forgiveness. The very same thing that you and I need tonight, 2,000 years later, is we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. And Jesus, again, they're not fully understanding, says to them, take, eat, this is my body. This is the cup of the new covenant that represents the blood that is going to be poured out for you. And then he says these words, do this in remembrance of me. Sam Storms writes, Jesus commanded his followers every time they broke bread together to make him the central point of their celebration and to recall and retell his life and death. See, Jesus takes Passover and he gives it a new meaning. No longer will they look back and remember God's deliverance of the people out of Egypt, but now they will look back and Jesus Christ will be at the center of the story. They will remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So in just a moment, you and I are going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. As a family. As a family. I love, I love hearing our kids in churches, a lot of times we, we separate the kids. We do this a lot on Sunday morning because parents, I know sometimes maybe it's harder for you to pay attention. But when they would have celebrated Passover, they would have done it as a family. It would have been a family thing. And, and so tonight we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper as a family. And we invite you to participate. You don't have to be a member of Northside to participate, but you do need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've had to declare Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life because Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. You cannot remember something you have not personally experienced. So do you know Jesus? If so, then we invite you in just a moment with us to partake of the Lord's Supper. But, but here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to play a video how deep the Father's love for us. And while that video plays and you listen to the lyrics reminding you of God's love for you, I want you to do two things before we take the Lord's Supper together. I want you, number one, to prepare your hearts. I want you to examine your hearts. I want you to take your eyes and I want you to begin to fix them upon Calvary, upon the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And as you're preparing your hearts and a couple minutes into this song, I then want you to prepare to take the Lord's Supper you will find uh, the bread in the cup in front of you, unless you're on the back row or the front row, it was on your seat. But there should be some right there in the rack in front of you in the chair. And so while we're singing, if you'll just prepare, there's some things you've got to pull off. And, and then after the song, we'll walk, I'll walk you through this and we will take this together. Again, we have the advantage of looking back and understanding. The disciples didn't have that advantage. They're living it in the moment as the events unfold. So tonight, see the cross and understand what Jesus Christ is doing for you when He goes to the cross and see the Father's love for us.
How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing loss the Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the Chosen One Bring many sons to glory says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Scriptures continue. In the same way, also we took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
goes on to say in those verses, for as, often, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We're going to sing Jesus Paid It All Together. I'm going to ask you to stand. And while we're singing Jesus Paid It All, we have several people who are going to read Scripture for us tonight and just let the story of that night unfold for us. And so they're going to line up over here, and after we sing Jesus Paid It All, we're just going to hear Scripture. Red. So if you'll stand, let's sing together. Jesus paid it all. And Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples.
Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And he came and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, singing him, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters, 
It was early morning. They didn't want to enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I am not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied, Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You said that I am a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this. I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Then Pilate asked, What is truth? But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to read for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? Then they all said, Crucify him. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But he kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. He was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice and the life that you gave. We 
our service tonight by reading from John 19, verses 17 through 30. Right after that, we have one final video. And when that video is complete, you are welcome to stay for a few minutes if you want to continue to meditate or to think upon the cross, or we'll just quietly uh, be dismissed as, again, we leave here knowing Sunday's coming. But tonight, it's about the cross. It's about what Jesus Christ has done for us on that cross. So they took Jesus, and He went out bearing His own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified Him. And with Him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross, it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took His garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also His tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fill the Scripture which says, They divided My garments among them, and for My clothing they cast lots. 
So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were His mother and His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved standing nearby, He said to His mother, Woman, behold your son. And then He said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the Scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? When they lay 